I'm a PhD student researching at the University of Brighton and I look at the politics of war memory with a particular focus on how wars were depicted and commemorated through art. Um, I'm here today with internationally acclaimed war artist Arabella Dorman. She's here at Cumberland Lodge tonight for a Cumberland conversation where she'll be talking to Cumberland Lodge Chief Executive Ed Newell about her career as a war artist and what she's learned about life and communities along the way. You can watch this online. So, Arabella, can you introduce your career in your own words? Well, I'm Arabella Dorman. Um, as you say, I'm a war artist. I'm also actually a portrait painter. And in a wider sense of the term, I'm really, uh, I'd like to see myself more actually as a peace artist, as a humanitarian artist, someone who is seeking to elicit the connections between us in the theatre of war. I believe that war can teach us so much about what it is to be human today mm-hmm. and actually the timelessness of, of humanity as well as the very specific so it's really the um, universal alongside the um, direct experiences and individual experiences of, of the people on the front line. So how did you get involved in depicting war and conflict? I've been working as a war artist since 2006 when I first went to Iraq and um, it goes further back though, I was, was always fascinated in the ability of the still image to tell a human story. And I think that human story is so powerful when it is in war. You see the very worst of what it is to be human. Terrible tragedy, acts of cruelty, um, alongside this incredible bravery and self-sacrifice and comradeship. So despite the horror, and believe me, war is horror and hell, there is also a beauty that can come out of it, and that's where my point of interest lies. I'm trying to seek the light that emerges from the darkness of, of war. I was really struck um, looking through your work at, at the range of your paintings. I think the contrast between intimate moments, both amongst soldiers and amongst people affected by conflict, um, is really striking and, and against images that just picked kind of quite the raw, violent consequences of that. Um, what inspires you to choose certain scenes to depict? Well, for me, I think the story is most powerfully told through the individual. Mm-hmm. So I'm less interested in really the politics and the big machinery, although it's, it's very overwhelming when you're in Afghanistan or Iraq today, the technology is extraordinary. But for me, the drama comes back to the human face of conflict, both for the civilians and the soldiers, really for all of those who are affected by war today. And increasingly, my area of interest now becomes about children, mm-hmm. because I was working in Syria last year, and you see hundreds of thousands of children, innocent children, caught up in a conflict that they have nothing to do with. And that, as a woman, as a mother, it's, it's heartbreaking. But that story really began in my seeing these young men, these soldiers, back in Iraq in 2006, and thinking, these could be my sons, or I, my husband, or, you know. When, so my work is very much trying to find that connection, that human connection, rather than compartmentalising it into war and then civilian life. I think um, having looked through your work, you're an incredibly accomplished painter and your paintings have a real power to evoke empathy and I think that that is through that individual connection. But perhaps the piece I found most striking was Suspended. 
Um, would you like to talk a little bit about that piece and where it comes from? Well, as you say, um, my work is very much uh, an attempt to evoke empathy and compassion. And compassion is hard because it's asking, I'm asking of my viewers, the inner disposition to go with someone where they are perhaps broken or isolated or traumatized. And suspended is my attempt to do that. When I was working in Lesbos as a war artist in response to the refugee crisis in 2015, I was completely overwhelmed by the level of tragedy and human drama that was unfolding on those beaches. Over 5,000 people a day were arriving in Lesbos in 2015. And my immediate response was to actually address the dangers of the sea crossing. But two years after I did that first installation called Flight, I realised that the situation, though no longer in the media spotlight, was actually worsening. More and more people were becoming stuck, they were becoming suspended between a past to which they cannot return and a future to which they were not able to move forward. And so I thought, how to best achieve this sense of empathy? And when I was in Lesbos, I saw all these clothes strewn across the olive groves and the camps and such like. And so I collected these worn items, these discarded um, pieces of clothing and, and shoes that the migrants had discarded on arrival in Lesbos. A lot of people ask me, well, if uh, refugees you know, are so poor, how can they afford to give their clothes away? This isn't the case. You're dealing with very educated you know, some of them very um, middle class, doctors, lawyers, etc. But they had a long on journey and they dispensed with wet, stained, traumatised clothes. So these clothes tell a story. Instead of um, seeing it as a mass, an installation of a mass of clothes hanging above your head, they're actually uh, a collection of intimate portraits mm. of human beings. Where, who wore them? Where had they come from? Where were they hoping and dreaming to go? And where are they now? And I lit the installation from a central orb that changes in density. As it brightens, it seeks to represent the light of hope by which a refugee travels. And also, probably more importantly, the light within our own selves that will validate that hope. But then it darkens right down to, in the winter it was very effective, pitch dark. And that really serves to remind us of the darkness that we leave our fellow human beings in should we turn our backs and ignore that plight. Um, and bottom line, it really is a celebration of diversity and human connection. Where can um, listeners see your work right now? If they um, unfortunately, suspended is rather an expensive mm. thing to put on. So right now it is um, resting, so to speak. I'm hoping I might get it to the States and also to Germany. There is no more of an urgent time mm. than today to do artwork like this. But I've got lots and lots of images on my website, which is arabellodorman.com. And um, I'd really welcome anyone to give me feedback on where to go next. I'm going out to Syria again, I hope, next year. Hopefully to Iraq with Beyond Conflict. And um, continue my work with refugees and children in conflict. So what do you feel that we um, as listeners can learn from your experience of war to help protect and promote more peaceful and inclusive societies, which is the aims of Cumberland Lodge? Well, my work is all about trying to recognise oneself in the other. So it's about building bridges and breaking down the walls. Uh, I think so much of 
what is happening today, whether it's a pull of the right or populism, is born out of fear. And my work is trying to break down those barriers um, and that fear and to suggest that the other is actually just you behind uh, a, a veil. Uh, so I'm really asking people to look in a mirror and in doing so to see our neighbours and reach out to our fellow human beings with compassion, with empathy and with understanding and respect. Um, so my own research looks at the way that art is used as a commemorative form, particularly during the centenary of the First World War. And a lot of war artists of the First World War set the framework through which we understand that war today. So what do you see as the role of the war artist, for example? Do you think it's a, a record? or The original role of the war artist was to document mm. war and also really a little bit of propaganda. It was mm. to celebrate heroic victories. I think that all changed in the First World War because artists simply couldn't glamorise mm. or, or um, glorify conflict. One of my greatest heroes, Lady Elizabeth Butler, said, I do not aim to glorify war, I aim to show the pathos and poignancy of war. And I think that is something that I very much adhere to. I'm trying to show the human face, but also the, the real consequences of conflict, um, largely on civilians as well as, as well as soldiers. War can break people. And on the immediate impact, of course, it causes widespread death and devastation, the cost is very high, but the longer term cost, the longer term consequences are also very high. And I think that's something that is a nuanced, subtle change over the centuries. But I stand humbled by the um, predecessors who have walked this path many, many mm. times before. And I think looking at the paintings that were recently restored in the Hobson Corridor from the Crimea War, it's almost like a, a reporting function at that point. Absolutely. And so in, a, in an age where we have kind of embedded journalism and constant reporting of war, I think depictions of conflict through art give a space for a sort of slow looking that we don't get in our kind of hyper digital age. Well, I think painting and, and, and imagery of war, photography as well, it can slow the narrative down. And as you say, with a newsreel of 24-7 and, and really devastating images at the touch of a button, it's important to draw the viewer back to a more contemplative um, side of things. With painting, of course, and war art, you're taking a much more subjective uh, individual approach. To a certain extent, I guess that could be said of photography as well, but photographs are, by definition, one moment in time. That is their power, and my goodness, people like Don McCullen, you know, are, are completely extraordinary in how he manages to get that convey that power. But I think painting is—it's um, a more individual approach about the subjective experience of war, and I think that's something that has changed from the observational to the um, the lived. Thank you, Arabella, um, for giving me this time to speak with you. Um, so if you do, listeners, if you do want to hear her Cumberland Lodge conversation, you can go on our website. Um, and if you're interested in coming along to our next Cumberland conversation, you can find out more information and follow us on Twitter. Thank you for listening and thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>